Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook as well at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Uh, like us, and uh, you have a chance to win some golf swag. Also, uh, Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons there as well. You're home for some great Minnesota podcasts, including Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris Foley, a uh, unique week for us. Uh, catch him in the car here. Uh, in attendance the last couple of days at the uh, state tournament, uh, Brainerd well-represented, Chris, three girls, and the uh, first day uh, was uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, the, the girls played very nicely, and uh, Anna Krieger, gosh, had a great round of, of even par on uh, on day one, and and uh, Katie Foley and, and Izzy Olson also had uh, you know pretty good days as well, so it was, it was a nice showing for them. Yeah, day one uh, went well. What can you tell me about day two? Anna Krieger, again, had a great, great round. She had 77 uh, for 149 total, finished seventh place overall in the individuals for the state tournament. Um, Izzy Olson fired uh, 84 today for a 160 total, and and Katie Foley uh, fired 83 today for 163 total. Izzy finishing 23rd and Katie 31st. So, yeah, not bad at all. No, and we uh, the, the team title went to Alexandria, which is you know great for Brainerd, a, a great showing for Section Eight, and uh, you know Brainerd beat beat Alexandria two or three occasions this summer, so or this uh, spring season. So it, it was it was great to see them win. Uh, it's a great team, great group of girls, and uh, nice showing for Section Eight. Yeah, I'll say we just uh, that was a huge win by the Warriors just late in the season against Alexandria in a really high quality field when yeah. our team took the title. So that was nice. We've had a couple of you always talk, Chris. Uh, a lot of times you talk about kind of peaking at the right time. Izzy had the seventy uh, in her uh, rounds to sections to get to state, and then is that the best round Anna's had in competition? That seventy-two. I, I I think it is. Yes, yeah. great time to. Things really came together nicely for Anna, and a gr- great way to finish off her high school career. Yeah, and they've kind of got the u- unique deal. Her sister's playing for Pequot Lakes, and was at State as well, I think, right? That's right. And she, her her sister had uh, uh, Morgan had a great round yesterday with a with an eighty to lead uh, Pequot Lakes in uh, Class Two A. Yeah, yeah. I saw that um, Beck Erholtz had a really nice day going into today. He was uh, had a sh- had a shot at the state championship. Yeah, he's one shot off the lead. Um, you know, as of airtime here, or recording time, the boys are just getting started, so we don't have uh, I don't have any results yet for for uh, for Beck. But uh, great showing yesterday for for Beck, and uh, hopefully. He'll play well today and uh, be nice for him to bring home a title I, I you know I'm, I'm pretty sure either his mother or his aunt won the high school state championship so uh, it'd be a be a nice family uh, tradition there yeah sure would you bet Dan for Brainerd Eric Stockson kind of continued his good year with the 75 at uh, state and uh, he's in the mix as well yeah Eric's in the uh, I think 11th or 12th going into today so uh, hopefully a top ten finish for him, and uh, with the, the golf course really, you know, when I when I left today, Eric had just teed off, and uh, the golf course has really gotten dry and greens fast and firm. So it's uh, it's going to be a good test for the boys out there. 
I was going to ask you, Chris, you've got a career of working with young people and uh, the extraordinary scores we see now at the high school level with, uh, I mean, our girls, like you were saying, in the 160s and, and a little better than that for, for Anna. But uh, as far as a group of girls or numbers of girls who are, say, in the 160 range, how much has that changed in 20 years? Uh, you know, it, it's amazing. It, you know, gosh, 20 years ago, well, in 1998, when the Brainerd girls won the state championship, yeah, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think the winning, uh, the individual winning score was like 144, 145. Well, the, today, uh, the, the winning score was, you know, 139. Reese McCauley, uh, who is Bella McCauley's sister, who we talked about, uh, last week who played in the U.S. Women's Open and forgo her chance to defend her title because she was, wasn't was able to play in sections because of the U.S. Women's Open. But she shoots 139 today. You know, and there are, uh, gosh, 20, 25 girls at 160 or better. So it, it's it's very impressive, the, the level of play. And, um, you know, I, I put... The, the level of high school play in Minnesota up, up against just about any state in the country. Yeah, when you yeah. Think the top players. Yeah, a lot of great golf in the in the state of Minnesota. It's getting better and better. We've got a couple of great guests coming up. We've got James Carlson from Minnesota National Golf Club. That's going to be great. To, and then we'll I think we're going to have a segment with Ron Reed. He was the U.S. Open starter. The guy who introduces the uh, guys teeing off at the U.S. Open for many, many years. He's got some great U.S. Open stories, so we'll be back with those. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and also Podcast One at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Uh, Chris Foley, and during this particular segment, is watching his... uh, daughter play at the state uh, golf tournament this week. Brainerd Warriors well represented there with three girls playing, including uh, Chris's daughter, Katie, so he won't be with us. But i uh, got a very special guest, uh, James Carlson, PGA Director of Golf Operations at uh, Minnesota National Golf Club and Resort in McGregor. James, welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Mac. We were up. Uh, Jeff and I came up briefly to talk with you guys earlier in the year, uh, course looks great of course and uh let's talk about uh you got some new ownership which uh, is uh i think uh, probably breathing some life uh and uh, really a, a kind of a new good opportunity exactly um the new ownership uh it's truly an exciting time to be at minnesota national um you're gonna see improvements with each and every visit you make this season and beyond yeah um for the next few years to come they're very interested in um, growth opportunities. Um, they want to listen to the customer feedback uh, to ensure that the added amenities and services are what the people want. Um, they're very community focused and uh, very family friendly. Um, so it's just a great atmosphere. Service levels have improved dramatically as far as on the golf side already, um, outside services etc and uh still many new things to come in the in the next coming months yeah it sounds great and of course it's a great location in mcgregor you're right by a a nice uh lake there so people can maybe kind of combine the two things james exactly um big sandy lake is right uh 
very close to us. To be honest, we're on Flowage Lake, which is connected to Big Sandy River, which also connects to Big Sandy Lake. So you can go right from our marina to Big Sandy Lake or vice versa. And uh, we could pick people up in our one of our shuttles and bring them up to the, either the clubhouse for the food and bev or, or let them go out and enjoy a round of golf. The golf course has a fantastic reputation for play. Let's talk a little bit about uh, midweek uh, play-and-stay opportunities too, James. That's going to be uh, fun for people to just get a foursome together and uh, come up and enjoy a couple of days at Minnesota National. Yeah, right now we're doing something new, uh, a midweek stay-and-play special offered Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays um, where you'd receive 30% off your lodging and 30% off golf. Um, so a great time uh, to have an inexpensive trip and um, enjoy our excellent accommodations and, and the great golf course. Yeah, that's a nice deal. 30% off lodging, 30% off golf, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and the senior rates you have a real nice deal for seniors as well, James. We do. Actually, uh, seniors on Tuesday and Wednesdays play for $49 plus tax. Um, our senior rate is based on age 65 plus but we invite all the uh, area groups out there or locals to to come on over and and take advantage of that special offer i'm 64 you think i could sneak in under the wire there james uh, we could probably <laughs> let you sneak in i mean we're not going to be checking your id but um <laughs> we'll trust you all right James, uh, one thing you guys do offer, uh, when we were out there, we met uh, Chad as well, yourself, and then Chad Weiss, your PGA head golf professional. Uh, lessons available for the public, so that's a good opportunity for people to get better at this great game. Um, it most certainly is. You know, everybody needs a little improvement. It's hard to watch yourself swing. Um, <laughs> it is. We'd be, we're here and very happy to help. Um, Chad's got about 20 years in the business, and I'm approaching 30 plus so we've got a lot of experience we just actually started our youth golf programs today and we're doing an adult women's only group program starting tonight nice glad to hear the youth uh, youth golf programs are taking off glad to hear that it's always good to get young kids into into golf that's for sure also uh, one of my favorite categories a new chef so <laughs> as you can tell when we met, James, I don't mind uh, I don't mind the kitchen once in a while. So, let's talk about the new chef doing a great job for you at uh, uh, Minnesota National. I, I tell you what, our new chef uh, has a vast background in the food industry. Um, everything coming out of our kitchen has been fantastic. Um, he's using uh, fresh products, locally sourced, um, so all quality items. Um, right now, uh, our menu is a little bit limited just because we're extremely short-staffed, as are others in our kitchen. Um, but um, that is actually starting to improve as we speak, and um, I think we got another person potentially on the line. But um, if, if you're looking to get into the culinary uh, occupation, yeah, I don't think there's a better person that you could learn from than um, our new head chef. His name is Jeff Flaherty. He's been fantastic. Good opportunity for somebody to go to work. That's not bad. I like to hear that. We'll talk about yeah. the golf course a little bit, James. It kind of uh, well, it stands on its own. It's fantastic. Um, Minnesota National, uh, 27 holes, and it's Joel Goldstrand, correct? 
it's a Joe Goldstrand design. Um, you know, basically the original owner gave him an unlimited budget with the goal of creating the best golf course in the state of Minnesota. Um, and he's created an absolute masterpiece right here in McGregor. Boy, if, um, if you haven't played it, you need to get over here and check it out. It's it's truly spectacular. Yeah, it really is. One nice thing, you you know, we we talked, James, a little bit. The, with the five sets of tees, it's a real equalizer, but you can stretch that course out to 7,200 yards, can't you? You can. Um, you know, we were the second longest course in the state from the black tees. Uh, next to the Hazeltine Pro Tees. Wow. Um, not sure if the TPC course is u- utilizing their Pro Tees, but, um, you know, that also got extended quite a bit as well. But, again, you know, tees are situated, uh, you know, so that every level of golfer can choose a tee that suits their game and, and adds to their enjoyment. Let's talk about a couple of the signature hole, James. Uh, I know uh, number five, yeah, hole number five is, you know, one hole that a lot of people talk about. I mean, there's a lot of challenge and reward. It's uh, got a big marsh area kind of in front of the tee that it, you can carry. If you can carry that, you can land on a peninsula that gives you, you know, a huge advantage on the hole. Um, however, yet it's set up fairly. So if you can't carry it, you can hit it straight ahead. And it just makes the hole a little bit longer, but just an absolute beautiful hole that people tend to remember. You know, I, you know, and our par threes. I mean, our par threes are very unique. Um, depending on which tee you decide to play, you're playing from a different angle, a whole different look. So, I mean, that's really cool. And our three finishing par fours on each nine are just absolutely fantastic golf holes. Yeah, nice to. That's a great memory to leave you with when you're finishing up on on any nine. So that's a lot of fun. I can't wait to get out and play. I'll be out there shortly. I hope to play at your place. And they got yeah. a, a big event going on, James. Um, actually, today while we talk. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, the kind of golf course where you want to hold an event like this. Yeah, um, we're very proud to be hosting the Minis- the MGA Amateur Championship sectional qualifier today yeah where we have several players out from all over the state i'd say the majority probably from the twin cities area um that are uh, attempting to qualify for the mga amateur championship uh there will be four qualifiers at our event and two alternates will be chosen so that's a a few golf courses around the state where people can try to qualify is that right james yeah, most certainly. Um, not sure what, you know, every course has a different deadline to sign up. Yeah. I know for our event today, it was May 31st. So check the MGA website if you're interested and uh, don't miss those deadlines. Yeah, that's right. Then uh, another cool thing that uh, maybe people don't know quite as much about is, is your Savannah course. Yeah, actually, we have a, a par 33 nine uh, called our Savannah course. And, um, very enjoyable. Um, we kind of bill it as our family-friendly, uh, more playable course, but yet it's still very challenging. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great spot to tune up your iron game. Um, par threes on, on the Savannah 9 are very challenging. Basically, there are there's a one par five, three par fours, and five par threes on, on the Savannah. 
Nice. Yeah, that is a good one. I, I, I love the family-friendly aspect of it. A lot of golf courses yep. doing that. That's important. Uh, uh, maybe somebody's not quite ready for the national, but uh, might be ready to take the fam out for a for a quick nine or uh, play around a couple of times, right? <laughs> yeah, and very forgiving, you know, like youth tees, uh, junior tees on that course. Yeah. Um, so it's just great for the entire family. All right. A, a great value, too. I think we were uh, – actually, I was talking with a buddy, and I think, you know, the value of uh, that golf course is – is really something, James. Uh, it, it's a real, it's a real bargain to play 18 holes at Minnesota National. You know, it most certainly is. Um, you know, I mean, compared to the the rates at, at most of the Brainerd courses or or Giants Ridge or the the Wilderness, which I think we fit right in with them. Yeah, um, we're much more reasonably priced. Again, we've upped our service levels on the golf side. Uh, we now include range balls with every paid green fee and uh, we also include a swing at $2,500 if anyone gets a hole-in-one on hole number 11 there you which go. is a par 3 on the back 9 um, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So probably as, as far as getting the tee times out there like any great golf course, you're probably a little more busy uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, make reservations at any time of the week, right James? And most certainly, most yeah. certainly, um, you can find our best rates online, yeah, on our website at um, mnnationalgolfcourse.com. The further in advance you book, the better that your rate will be. You know, as you approach that date, it depends on our uh, capacity. And again, back to those midweek playing stays. You've got some openings here as the uh, summer comes in, and that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and. Want to remind everybody again: thirty percent off lodging and thirty percent off golf. That's an awfully, awfully nice deal to bring a and, and a good memorable memorable experience for take a foursome up or take a uh, maybe uh, you know a couple couples go up together and have some fun. So nice deal. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, we have uh, four different lodging units on the course to offer. Yeah. We have two three bedroom townhomes that can pretty you know comfortably sleep four to eight people and uh we have an executive log home that can comfortably sleep eight to ten and then we've added uh, a new new uh privately owned home that's part of our rental pool that's called patio 14 that's a four bedroom beautiful new place um that can comfortably do i would say eight to eleven you know again all that depends on you know capacity could be even greater if it was couples so yeah sounds you fantastic know. good opportunities for people and uh, lots of options you know whether it's uh, four people going up or eight people or a couple of groups three groups four groups uh, look for uh, being accommodated with especially the midweek play and stay at this point right yeah most certainly and to be honest with you i, I forgot to mention we're also we've added two new luxury rv rentals in our RV part that are available for rent as well that are fully furnished. All of our units are fully furnished. Yeah, that's really handy. The RV park's right there, so uh, walk right up to the clubhouse from there. Yep. So if you're an RVer out there and looking for a space, we got sites available. Um, I know there's not many parks that do, so definitely think of us when you're out on your family trips. James, anything else you'd like to uh, share with the listeners? You know, uh, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to give us a call at 218-426-4444. I mean, it's not only a great golf course. I mean, to me, it's a perfect place 
to host a, a wedding or a corporate golf outing or meeting. Uh, we have a large banquet room in our lower level that seats comfortably 250. And uh, again, we've added a new chef, uh, new ownership. A lot of new things are happening. And um, I would just say look for continued growth. It's truly going to be an exciting time in the next few years. It right is, here yeah. National. I was going to bring that up. That banquet room is great. My uh, I had a daughter get married a few years back and another one getting married this year out in Reno. But So we're always looking at that kind of thing. And, boy, when I stopped out there, it was just uh, plenty big. It's a beautiful spot for a wedding, actually, or family reunion. Yeah, most certainly. And to be honest, I should add that, uh, you know, we're bringing in a new fleet of 80 golf carts. Um, that should They should be here sometime early July, for sure. Um, they're going to have a state-of-the-art GPS with touchscreen, USB ports, um, Bluetooth speakers, uh, upgraded seats, steering wheels, coolers, rain covers, pretty much all the bells and whistles. So um, making a lot of improvements and, and invite everybody to come and sh- experience them with us. Yeah, you bet. It's it's uh, in McGregor. It's a beautiful spot, and I uh, can't recommend it enough. Minnesota National Golf Club and Resort. Be sure to put it on your put it on your menu for golf this year. And sounds like down the road, new ownership investing in the golf club and in the community. That's fantastic, James. Yeah, most certainly. Um, I, I know their their future goals are to expand our lodging and increase our uh, amenities, and uh, it's truly going to be an exciting time here at Minnesota National. That's James Carlson, PGA Director of Golf Operations at Minnesota National Golf Club and Resort. James, thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks so much, Mac. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. We're on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and also on Podcast One at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Uh, This segment brought your way by Craigan's Legacy Courses with great golf, banquets, and facilities, and Ernie's on Goal, where you can sit by the lake, enjoy, and relax. With this being U.S. Open Week, we thought we'd go with one of our favorite interviews with Ron Reed, the author of Starting the U.S. Open, Shinnecock to Pebble Beach. Ron was the starter at the U.S. Open for many, many years. We pick up uh, with that interview with Ron letting us know how it all got started. And along the way in 1986... Uh, David Fay was ill. He was the starter. And uh, they tapped me. Frank Hannigan said, uh, as he, he gave me a microphone, and he said, welcome to showbiz. <laughs> and in 19, 1986 at Shinnecock, I became the starter of the U.S. Open and uh, hung in there uh, 23 of the next years, ending that assignment in 2010 here at Pebble Beach. Boy, what a, what a, what a great run, yeah. Not not a better seat in uh, in tournament golf than on the on that first tee. Well, I never took it for granted. Every year I'd go and I'd look at the assignment sheet, and there it said Ron Reed starter first tee, and um, you know it was such a privilege. And but beyond that, um, I got to know them a lot of mo- the greatest players of our time uh, off the golf course as well. So uh, I. Along the way, uh, people said, you ought to write about it. So I did, and it was a lot of fun, and I had some help. Uh, Rich Gazinski, formerly at the USGA, helped uh, edit, and uh, I think we came up with a, a, 
a book that uh, is entertaining and insightful. Yeah, I agree, Ron. I think we'll just uh, I'll just sample a couple of the endorsements in the front of the book so our listeners have an idea that this might be a book you want to go get. Few have experienced the cauldron of every golfer's experiences on the first tee of the U.S. Open. My friend Ron Reed had a front row seat there for 23 years to witness the hardest shot in golf, the first one. He is, in fact, the man who was starting the U.S. Open. That's your friend Jim Nance, which is uh, very nice. Uh, uh, Jack and Barbara have some nice things to say in the endorsements and oh, a whole bunch of people. Uh, Roger Maltby, uh, you've been longtime friends with Roger Maltby. Oh, there's all kinds of great names there. Chris, you guys also have a kind of a Iowa connection, you and Ron, that you might not know about. Ron, you're a Drake graduate, is that correct? I went to I went to Drake University, and uh, it was during my uh, before my sophomore year. I I uh, was working at the Wakanda Club there in Des Moines, and they were having the U.S. Amateur, and so I got to I got to see P.J. Boatwright and Joe Dye and Frank Hannigan and the leadership of um, the USGA, and you know that's what kind of tweaked my interest into getting into the administrative side of the game of golf. So uh, that's where it all began, 1963 U.S. Amateur. Oh, that's neat. I, I was an assistant at Wakanda Club in 1990, 1990 to 1993, one of my favorite places Jack, in the world. Jack Webb? Jack had retired in about 85 or 86, but no Jack well. Uh, Mr. Neneman. You probably knew Mr. Neneman, the GM. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. club manager a long time. He had to put up with me. <laughs> no, that was yeah. great years. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting U.S. Amateur. Dean Beeman won, which went on became the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Uh, the assistants at that time were Jack Klecky, and but the two assistants went on to become the co-professionals at uh, Augusta National. And um, a few other noteworthy things ha- happened in that uh that u.s amateur look can i share a, a side story uh, to the book yeah um, years ago david Fay called me he says you better explain yourself i said what do i do now he says well a, a fellow by the name of vince bradley somehow talked his way up magnolia lane using your name <laughs> <laughs> and i i says do you know vince bradley i said yeah he's a golf coach high school golf coach nice guy he said well he told him he worked for me well i was flattered that someone would think that I had that sort of influence. But uh, anyway, he got all the way to the clubhouse. So I ended up writing letters of apology. And along the way, <laughs> I connected with the golf pros who guess where they came from? Wakanda Club. That's right. And and uh, so I ended up with um, maybe some friends there at Augusta National. Ron, the book has all kinds of uh, great, great chapters. We'll just kind of walk down maybe some of the things we talked about. You had uh, some funny moments. I know uh, we talked a little bit about yesterday about uh, uh, Jumbo Osaki. You had to talk him into playing. <laughs> well, Jumbo, uh, he was first off and at 6.30 in the morning uh, there at Pine, Pinehurst in 99. And I introduced him from Narita, Japan. And in, uh, in his English, he said, I know play. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't know what to do, and um, I turned to Tony Zerpoli, the uh, the referee, and I said, "What do I do now?" He says, "Reintroduce him." And at the point, it was an early start. Normally, we started at seven o'clock, but at six thirty, Jumbo thought it was too dark to play. Well, finally, uh, Brandel Shambly, who was playing with him, told me later 
that somehow I cajoled him to hit it. And uh, I remember he hit it off into darkness and about 300 cameras flash, flashes went off from all of the uh, uh, photographers in Japan that were following their, their legend. So, uh, yeah, somehow I convinced him to play. <laughs> then, uh, let's see, Jim Thorpe. We had a, had a, you and Jim Thorpe had a moment. Jim was a bomber, wasn't he? Jim was a bomber. I remember a practice round in 84 at Wingfoot. When he got on the eighth hole, it's, you know, today drivable by a lot of the players. It wasn't then. But he, he took his one iron and he, he ripped the grip off. So uh, he had his hands only on the tape and iron, and he knocked it on the front of the green with a one iron. But uh, Jim was a great guy, and I, I call him a gentle giant. But um, I had an incident at Baltusrol where – he got over the ball. He hadn't even hit it yet. And I got confused. And I didn't want him to be penalized in, the, in this crazy situation. And all of a sudden, I interrupted him. I said, Jim, is this a provisional ball? And he looked up and he smiled. He says, man, I ain't even hit it yet. And you guys are trying to penalize <laughs> And he's a big guy. You know, he played football. And I, I ran up to him and he smashed his drive down the middle. I tried to give him a big hug, and we laughed later. And uh, <laughs> he, thank God he was forgiving. Uh, Jim was a great guy. And uh, Ian Wisdom, you had uh, had a funny uh, story about Ian as well. Well, I I used to handle player registration, and I would ask them as they came in, you know, where do you live? And uh, he said he he was from Oswestry, Street, England. So for three days, I introduced him from Oswestry, Street, England. Well. On day four, you know, worldwide television, um, I introduced him from Oswestry, and he turned around. He didn't have a speaking part, but he says, I'm from Wales. Well, I, I corrected myself. I'd made a lot of mistakes over the years, and I said the word correction, Wales. Well, now I was flustered, and I continued on with other introductions, and I got to, and here's what I said, and the special observer is Joe Carr captain of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews from Dublin, England. <laughs> and there was a murmur in the crowd, and I looked over, and Joe was laughing, and I realized my mistake, and I said, correction, Ireland. Well, the next to speak was um, uh, the famous uh, announcer, um, Peter Alice. And Peter, <laughs> Peter came up with this line. He says, wars have started over less. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'll share the post story to that. I was, uh, you know, for two days I was in a funk over, you know, blowing the final introduction. And I was in a restaurant all alone and I ordered a glass of wine. And the waiter, I sensed, I, I said, where are you from? He says, I'm from London, England. I said, really? Tell me where is Oswestry? And he said, I don't know, but I was watching the U.S. Open. And he pointed at me. He pointed at me and he said, you're the guy, you're the guy. <laughs> it was that one moment when I, I could laugh at myself and um, the, uh, you know, the feelings I had went away. I, I could never make another mistake when I didn't laugh about, about uh, what I was doing. I suppose with the seriousness of some guys and the looseness of others, there's a, uh, some guys a mispronunciation might bother and other guys probably would mm -hmm. laugh it off. I would say uh, once... Um, and, and I like Colin Montgomery a lot. I, I always thought he was a good guy. And after I introduced him once, he came over and he said, it's not Colin. 
<laughs> okay, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I don't say that again. Um, I, I bit the bullet, so to speak, and, and I was careful. But um, I'm, I'm quite sensitive things. to that, uh, Ron. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a, a junior high, or not a high, no, a high school phys ed teacher who would always purposely call me Colin just so a few people would chuckle during introductions. Well, I liked him a lot. And um, a quick, quick comment story, you know, he, he could and probably should have won the U.S. Open in 94 when, uh, when Ernie Els did there at Oakmont. And it was the, afterwards, it was, I, I learned what the U.S. Open meant to a player of his caliber. He, he lost it uh, privately in the, when he called his wife back in Scotland. And um, I learned, you know, the emotional side of, of what the U.S. Open meant to uh, to a great player like that. Sure, yeah, wow. So many heartbreaking and uh, stories about the guys who come second or play themselves out of it late in the day or whatever the case might be. Ron, uh, 1994 was Arnold Palmer's last U.S. Open and it was played at Oakmont Country Club, so kind of in his backyard of where he grew up. Tell, tell us about that U.S. Open, what your memories are then. Well, it's in the book. Um, he, um, Ernie, well, he was playing with John Mahaffey and Rocco Mediate, and they were there early because on Thursday with the starting time. And Arnie wasn't. And I, I knew where he was because I could hear the buzz through the, the thousands that were gathered. And uh, finally I dispatched, uh, which I never did, uh, normally to send security to get him there and they found him they brought him in and he popped through the crowd seconds before his starting time and he all he had was a putter caddy no golf bag so i introduced uh, rocco and rocco teed at one place and then he picked it up and he moved the tee and i began to sense something was going on they were stalling and finally he hit it and then uh, john did the same thing Arnie was still standing there with just a putter. All of a sudden, here comes Caddy pops through the crowd. I breathe a sigh of relief. I'm looking at two trees that were there at the time, and I'm thinking, man, if I penalize Arnold Palmer. They started, I introduced him, and the crowd went crazy, and uh, all of a sudden, he got over the ball. He wasn't comfortable. He didn't know how many clubs he had. So he turned around, and he, everybody was counting clubs, and nobody was getting 14 clubs. And Finally, he felt comfortable. And he hit it down the fairway. Well, off he went several minutes late. Possibly could have been penalized in his last U.S. Open. Well, Friday was the final day, and he showed up early. And I took a, one of the decisions, 6-3-3, and I taped it to my table and highlighted that A, B, and C players must be all there at the same time, present and ready to play. I highlighted it. And he was in good humor. He was always in good humor. And I took him over and I pointed that out to him. And he looked at me only as Arnold Palmer could. And he says, I was ready to play. He says, I had a putter. I'd hit it from here to there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as I wrote the book, that was the only only thing I ever wrote down on the pairing sheet and looked back later and, and used in writing the book. Your title of that chapter... Uh... Arnold Palmer, the goodness of the man. That uh, that's a great uh, title for a chapter, Ron. Well, I, I uh, there are a number of stories that elaborate, and I won't I won't uh, share them all now. But he he was an extraordinary person, and uh, I traveled from Scotland uh, circuitously 
flew home to Monterey, changed my underwear, flew back to Latrobe, <laughs> having having spent uh, a day and a half to get there, and went to his memorial. And it was something I'll never forget. I'll bet, yeah. And another uh, great you we talked a little bit about yesterday, and the title of that chapter is great too. Is Jack Nicholas the softer side? Well, I've I've seen it. I've cried with him twice on the first tee. The the, the last time was his last U.S. Open, and Roger Maltby, who used to cue me to start, you know, the television introduction, came to me and he said, uh, "Wouldn't it be nice if we did something special? Because it, you know, Jack's taking." Uh, uh, the place of Payne Stewart, who was sadly no longer with us. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to do that, but the decision was made by people higher up than I. We've, we've honored Payne Stewart, so uh, thank you for your suggestion, but no thanks. And Jack came to the tee, and you know what he said to me? He says, uh, wouldn't it be nice if we honored Payne Stewart? Well, I knew that I knew that he and Roger had chatted, and I said, Jack, look, it's over. But wait a minute. When you're introduced, you're on stage. You can do anything you want. Just don't tell anybody. Don't share <laughs> that you and I made a deal. So Jack got up there, and, and uh, I introduced him from North Palm Beach. And guess what he said? He said, I just want to take a moment to remember our national champion. And I don't think there was a dry eye near the first tee at Pebble Beach, and uh, he hit it down the middle. And the next day he came up, this is his final round, and he looks at me with a smile. He says, well, did I get you in trouble? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I told the press, you know, he broke the deal. Well, we both laughed, and um, but it was a very touching moment and a soft side of Jack Nicklaus. Yeah, yeah. Jack has shed a tear or two that we've all got to see on television, and uh, uh, Jack and Arnold just two of the two great men of golf, and another one, uh, Tom Watson. I know uh, you've had some uh, experience with Tom as well. Uh, Tom, uh, you know, great, great guy. Uh, one of the most memorable was in, the, uh, I believe, 2003 at Olympia Fields. And for 21 years, I had had the flag from 1982 when he chipped in to, uh, to take uh, – Jack Nicholas's fifth U.S. Open away from it. Right. I had a flag, and I threw it in a box and forgot about it. Well, I took it to Chicago with me, and I was going to have him sign it, and I would keep the flag. Well, this is this was Tom's last Open, and, and of course, the world knew that Bruce Edwards was suffering from ALS, and so I sought Tom on Sunday morning to, to say to him, look, I'd like to give the flag to Bruce. Is that okay? And I never could find him. So up the hill on Sunday, by the way, Tom, is he's got a chance to win in his last U.S. Open. And uh, <laughs> Bruce came up the hill, and he wasn't doing so well. You could tell the disease had set in. And I said to him, uh, here, I'd like you to have this flag. And he looked at me, and he said, what is this? I said, this is the flag from 21 years ago. And he began to cry, and so did I. <laughs> and uh, finally, Tom came up and he looked at the two of us. He said, what's going on here? And I told him I'd given Bruce the flag. And I said, did I do the right thing? And Tom said, you did the right thing. <laughs> so um, that flag today, uh, I'm happy to say it was auctioned and Tom got it. Tom bought it. And it sits in his office there in Kansas City. So I couldn't be happier. Yeah. That's an incredible story. 
That's our conversation with Ron Reed, author of Starting the U.S. Open, Shinnecock to Pebble Beach. You can find Ron's book at ronreed.com, ronreed.com, also available on Amazon. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Thanks to our guests, uh, Ron Reed. Got a great book out there. You should uh, give that a read. And uh, also... uh, James Carlson from uh, Minnesota National Golf Club. Great golf course. Lots of improvements happening there with the new ownership. So if you get an opportunity, put them on your uh, on your list to go play this summer. Chris, uh, U.S. Open week, of course. You're on your way back. Again, we mentioned uh, from the Twin Cities and the Girls State Golf Tournament. But we uh, I want to talk a little bit about U.S. Open. I know we're halfway through now, but... Uh, uh, as the as the show airs for the first time, so it's uh, we've talked about it a lot the last couple of years. I don't know if there's ever been uh, this many high top quality golfers in the world as there is right now. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, there, there's there's all, there's some parity in the game because there's so many good players that are at, at the same level. There there aren't any real dominant players like you know when Tiger was in his his prime or when. Jack and Arnie and Gary Player were playing, and you know the big three. But uh, uh, there, certainly the, the level of play is extremely high among a lot of great players. Kind of been in that. Uh, it seems like you know. It seemed like Rory was going to be the guy to just take off. It seemed like Dustin was going to be the guy to take off. It seemed like Kepka. Seemed like Spieth. A lot of young guns have come along and won uh, two or three or four, but they haven't been able to really extend that into the. Uh, into the really uh, large numbers as far as majors go. Yeah, you know, I think uh, a, a, a Tiger only comes along once in a generation or a Jack once in a generation. Right. Byron Nelson before him and Hogan. And, you know, so you, you've got a couple players in each era that are very dominant. And I, I think we're uh, we're probably on the verge of seeing the next dominant player. Where where that player comes from is the, the question. But... Uh, uh, it's certainly going to be a great week, and I think uh, again favors the, the longest hitters because of the because of the golf course. And you got you got to think Dustin Johnson always plays well on the on the West Coast, and and uh, Bryson DeChambeau defending uh, doesn't seem like that long ago that we were playing the U.S. Open. Of course, it was only in September, so but uh, it definitely. The guy, the strongest players, this, this venue is going to favor because of the the narrowness of the fairways, length, and the and the length of the rough. Well, you'd think uh, when they're on their game, Kepka and DJ hit it about as far and about as straight as anybody uh, out there. DJ hasn't really been on his game, but when he's right, he just never never misses the fairway. It seems, and Kepka is kind of the same way. No, that's right. And DJ, I, I think uh, I'm looking for good things from DJ. You know, he had a He's coming back from a, you know, I guess would have been a minor injury, and um, all indications from what you hear in the in the media are that he is playing extremely well. And you got to you got to think of Patrick Reed as, uh, you know, he won there in, in February when they when they played at Torrey Pines. So um, that would be an interesting, uh, you know, leader. He, I, I think there there've only been, uh, I read this morning, four four, four times in in uh, history where the same players won twice in a year on the same golf course. Oh, ben yeah. Hogan, Jack Nich- ben Hogan, Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods twice. All those guys, Rory and Reed and Spieth, have all run one really uh, recently. 
And uh, yeah. Phil, of course, won the PGA. I just if, if Phil was on the leaderboard going into the weekend, I'd be that would sure be great for golf. Uh, that would oh, be a needle mover, like you say. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it would be incredible, and uh, well, it's it's so hard to win two in a row. But uh, he he's playing very well, and he's I I get you know being a San Diego native, he has uh, spent a lot of time at Torrey Pines the last ten days, and. Uh, that has Torrey Pines hasn't been the greatest venue for Phil, but uh, boy, coming off his his win in the PGA, it uh, certainly sent him on a favorite. Yeah, yeah, he he loved the course before they made changes back in uh, uh, the early, around 2000 or when they made the changes about 2005 or six, I think. He hasn't really right. played that well there since. Another guy who lives yeah. right there is. Uh, uh, Xander Shoffley grew up on that course, so he could have a That's he right. could have a big weekend. Yeah, Xander, uh, boy, he's played well in the majors too. Uh, the last four or five, so uh, definitely a uh, some local knowledge there, and a guy coming into the tournament playing pretty well. All right, Chris, glad you were able to get uh, down to see your daughter play. How fun that was. A little family first kind of thing, which is important. And uh, Brainer Girls, boy, a terrific year, and who knows if Alexandria wins it that means we're right there maybe we could win it yeah no that's <laughs> right I mean Brainerd has uh, as much much depth as any team in the state and uh, I, you know it, it's a shame that only one team can go out of each district because Brainerd is definitely in the top four or five teams in the state yeah, uh, yeah. Ale- Alexandria was just a little better and uh, it sure would have been fun if we, we would have had a whole team down there to be able to keep, compete for the team title. Oh, man. All right, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley. I'm Colin McDonald. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.